Hi. Hello. So we decided that we wanted to do a bonus episode on Medita, which is something that we just discussed before with Duran, and it's translated to sympathetic joy. And sympathetic joy is basically the ability to delight in someone else's happiness. And I think it's a really important topic because it speaks to how we're conditioned here in our society and how it's not very accessible to us to have sympathetic joy. We don't really delight in other people's happiness because of our individualism and meritocracy. Yep, totally. The individualism is so um, poignant right now, especially considering the fact that we're in a pandemic, the fact that we're in this great civil rights movement. And um, we actually recorded the episode with Duran before the civil rights uh, movement like had all the traction that it has right now. But we're seeing this like disease of individualism like penetrate kind of every single facet of society where people will say things like there'll be like this like false dichotomy of um, when someone says black lives matter, then the response is all lives matter. But really what all, all lives matter is speaking to uh, my life matters. It's this individualism of like, I am, I am more important. Like I am the person that is, is important here. Like I have to like assert myself as like being important. And I think that comes from this, like this feeling of, of survival, because when we're not in community, we don't understand what it's like to survive together or thrive together. Actually, even when we're in community, there's a different sense of being, which I just don't think any American really truly understands unless they're, you know, a child of immigrants or they're immigrants themselves, because in, mostly all other cultures, that's, that's the experience. Um, and so when we're hit with this rhetoric of all lives matter of, uh, of, of this, uh, like deep individualism, that's like existing in each person to feel like they need to voice their, their selves as someone who needs to be heard because they need to survive. We're seeing like how much we have, uh, failed in America to create community, to create understanding that like, we need to be there for one another. I saw this like meme on Facebook that was like, um, people not wearing masks is just like everything that comes down to American politics. I don't know how to make you care for other people. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I saw, I think you posted that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What you speak to is, I mean, it's so layered, right? There's so many parts to why we can't cultivate sympathetic joy, why we can't really feel um, the genuine joy of somebody else's success because we're premised on this idea and it's predicated on this idea that, you know, individualism means that I do well and that I'm, I'm worthy of seeking my dream, but we don't really see, it, you know, the cost of that mm -hmm. to anybody else in society because community has not been modeled for us. Mm -mm. And so I just think that it speaks to how we can use phrases in conversation. You know, we just will 
shoot out things like community matters. And I don't think that people really understand what community entails, like you said, unless you may have come from um, an immigrant family where, you know, I know in my experience, I've understood what community is through the gaze of my parents' experience. I never necessarily felt that myself. But seeing how community shows up for one another, you know, you grieve together, you, um, you know, seek joy together. There's so many parts of community that we don't really understand. And I see this in my line of work in, in wellness and in healing and in everything that's kind of been commodified. It's been taken from other cultures and it's commodified and used and, you know, basically all the profits go to largely white Americans. And there's this sense of not truly honoring one another. And I think that people don't get that. Like, what does it mean to honor another person instead of appropriating and taking it and then saying it's mine? It's kind of taking ownership over something which speaks to individualism and removes you from the true beauty of connecting with one another on the level of experiencing sympathetic joy. Like I can truly feel my happiness grows from your happiness. And yeah, I I feel like it's really sorely missing. I think that, yeah, it makes sense. The fact that we don't even have, I think because we kind of get into this mode of survival in America where, um, you know, in order to, in order to succeed, you have to first survive and you, and in order to survive, you have to do it by yourself. So if you're constantly in this place where I have to survive and I have to do it by myself, then it breeds a lot of competition. So if we're already looking at people as like adversaries, adversaries, how do you say that word? I say adversaries, but that's, <laughs> that might be my Britishness. Right? <laughs> well, I this is also saying, my daisiness coming out because yeah. I'm saying it as a daisy. <laughs> but I, I think you, I think you say, I can't say it. It's yeah. adversary. <laughs> Whatever. Adversary, adversary, wherever you're listening, you will know what I'm saying. Um, and if we look at people as adversaries, I think that's how we say it. Um, <laughs> if we look at people as adversaries, then we're never going to be able to get to the point of Mudita. That's why Mudita is so missing, which is what I think we wanted to talk about. Like, because we're not even able to see them as uh, friends or as like people who are going to lift us up or together. Like, and I think that that's the, the false dichotomy that exists that we think that, we have to compete with others in order to be happy, in order to survive, in order to whatever. <laughs> when in fact, when we all work together, we rise, you know, and we thrive. And you say this to me all the time because you and I do it together. We create our community where we have to rise together. And I just, uh, I feel like it's so disconnected and it's so hard for it's so hard to ha have people like look past themselves, especially if they're in survival mode to be like, look, if we, if we're, if we're in this together, we will rise. And how beautiful will that be? I'm yes. To every point you made, um, the survival thing, it, 
it's almost glorified to be in survival. Like, oh, look how strong I am. I can make it on my own. I didn't do this with anybody. And because we sold this idea of our individualism being a really, really, like a badge of honor, we buy into it and we're socialized into this paradigm, right? That then removes us from the connection and joy it, that it is experienced from community and your own inner wellness and individual wellness really can't happen unless there's community wellness anyway. And, you, you know, just diversity fosters innovation. So what you were saying, like when we're together, we are more innovative, innovative. You see now I'm like, what? how do you say things? <laughs> Which one do I say? How, how do we say things? And I don't know, I say innovative and people will be like, what? What was that word? Innovative. How do you, how do you say basil? Basil. Okay. <laughs> Actually, no. In the United States of America, I say basil because people think I'm weird. <laughs> Not getting to the new ones, but <laughs> the differences. But um, yes, just because survival, I mean, it, and it starts from the beginning. You see the way maternal health is. And that, that's the beginning of life, right? And this baby is born and the mother and the baby are basically thrown out of the hospital and left to just survive. So you feel this sense of survival from the beginning of your life. And as a mother, you are left in this survival mode. Like, where, where's my help? How am I supposed to know this? Very little, very few people experience community growth like this like coming together let's raise a baby together you know the whole adage it takes a village where the hell's the village hell yeah yeah it takes a village and it's like we say it and then we don't actually do anything about it you know everyone kind of stays in their bubble especially in suburbia you know i think it's i think it's more common like in cities and in like neighborhood cities like seeing uh, community organizers coming together and like creating things for parents, especially it's what you were saying in the, um, in the trauma episode, you know, about how, uh, what was it that they like gave more to charity or something like yeah. people who wealthy, make less money? Yeah. Wealthier communities give, can give a lot of money, but P poorer people tend to give more proportionally. Like you right. give more proportionally because you know how much people need it. You understand need viscerally. You're not removing yourself from the idea of, oh, this person might need it. So my $10 might be able to buy them something from Target or Walmart. It's got nothing right. to do with that. This is, I ha this is all I have. And I understand how much you need this so we can connect on, on our own understanding and empathy your empathy is so much more available and all these things then empathy and compassion and loving kindness and sympathetic joy all go together right mm -hmm. and sympathetic joy in buddhist psychology is one of the four limitless qualities so it's something that you you aim to cultivate within yourself because you understand that that makes um a happier greater world you know, more ethical society is when you can delight in somebody else's happiness and you can spend time 
really not worrying about and internalizing everybody else's success as your own failure. Right. Not everything is about you and your journey. It's, it's, it's a big, big overarching life. You know, it's not, if we're always looking at it by day by day, that if somebody else is doing well and I'm not doing well today, therefore there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And because we haven't had the space to understand and explore it safely, we can't grow in that way of delighting in other people's happiness, of really experiencing the joy of somebody else's success. And so what are ways in which we can cultivate this more? Because maybe we could just throw out one tool even um, that can help this. Because I often feel like this sense of, like you said, the sense of, uh, not being able to feel happy for another person or feel the sympathetic joys because we're coming from this place of lack. Like, oh, if they succeed, then I failed. Yeah, it's that definite deficiency mindset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a start, I think what Duran had spoken to in his experience of, of Mudita, of his friend being really into this band, you know, and him enjoying that concert because he got to experience as a consequence, his friend's joy. And it was so much fun for him. It's things like that. You can start small. It, it doesn't need to be this big chunk that you bite off. Like I must only experience happiness for all other beings and their successes. That's a lot to ask of us as humans because we have to take care of our own parts that may feel like they're failing too and it's not to put the onus on like oh it's a deficiency mindset we're all human we need space to titrate between things it's just to kind of bring attention to this beautiful thing that we may be able to develop in ourselves called sympathetic joy and seeing that maybe it's uh it's conditioned by society that it's not actually something that's personal completely and You had mentioned this earlier, and gratitude is another way of experiencing and developing and cultivating and generating mudita, of really getting into that space. You know, in positive psychology, you get to experience a neurological shift in your brain the more you practice gratitude. And like you said, before even getting to the point because gratitude might be something that's so hard to even reach into it's like how can we heal our own trauma you know and so that kind of goes off of they're all like they all feed each other right like if we feel like you know someone else's happiness takes away from our own where does that come from you know how can we have like tenderness to ourselves around okay, like there might be something, a part of us inside that feels threatened or like we're not good enough or, and how can we feed those parts to heal them? You know? Uh, Yeah. Nourishing yourself is vital. And I love that you brought up trauma again, because we survival, living in that survival mindset is kind of, traumatizing because you feel alone and removed and if you look at the organisms around you even your own human body it's a living organism it works in community and in concert with all other cells you don't just get the lone cell and if you do it's usually cancerous so you know 
taking the reflection of nature and the messaging of, of how to live, if you look at a forest, you know, it's filled with diversity. It's this beautiful symphony of like what community should look like. That's an, an unbelievable example in nature of how you can't just have one type of tree you won't get a thriving community. You have all ages, all stages, all types, all different animals come by. I mean, I'm not going to get into the nature of it. If you want to know more about the way that trees thrive and survive, Hid The Hidden Life of Trees is an amazing book. <laughs> and it talks all about that, about how if one tree is by itself, it is more likely to have like a less, like a lower lifespan than if it is in a community because the way that the trees communicate is through fungi, which is under the ground and through their roots. So they're not even able to communicate without another species. So just, it's like such a huge metaphor for life, <laughs> for, for life, for life, but also for us as human beings, like we need to, we're interdependent, you know, and sometimes we can often feel like, oh no, we're, we need to stay alone in order to prove something. But I don't know, we have on average like 75 years on this earth. What do we need to prove? How about we like spend some time like living with one another and really deeply connecting? What is it like to connect with another human being? And that shit's hard, by the way. There are a lot of people that are really averse to connection. And so it does take some sifting around like, okay, how can I like find someone who's open to connection and really deeply being together? I feel like we could have an entire episode on that because connection and the the hardship experienced is, you know, what Brene Brown talks about so much and vulnerability and her work has been amazing around that. So if you haven't already looked at Brene Brown, which I barely know anybody that doesn't know Brene Brown, but there are still people out there that have not seen her work, watch her TED talk, follow her on Instagram, listen to her podcast. She speaks so to vulnerability and to courage so beautifully. But we just wanted to in, introduce some of the concepts that aren't so easy to grasp, like sympathetic joy. And we hope that you learn something about sympathetic joy and, and just how that applies in our society today and kind of understanding how we're shaped and how we're conditioned by the messaging by the systems around us and how that might not breed and foster something as easy as sympathetic joy so it doesn't have to be a personal thing that you punish yourself for you know have grace for yourself and kind of exploring and say feel safe in exploring that that and we're here as resources too so please feel free to check us out on instagram at relatively nobody or on Twitter at RelativelyPod. And feel free to get in touch uh, through email at relativelynobody at gmail.com. This is great. This is great. It was so nice to just check in. Yeah, it was great to check in. Bye, Z. Bye, G.